Listen, surely I've exceeded expectations, tried for three years, seems like 30. Could you ask much more from any other man? But if I die, see the saga through and do the things you ask of me. Let them hate me, hit me, hurt me, nail me to that tree. I have to know, have to know, my God. I have to know, have to know, my God. Have to see, I have to see, my God. Have to see, I have to see, my God. Why I should die? Would I be more noticed than I ever was before? Would the things I've said and done matter anymore? I have to know, I have to know my Lord. I have to know, I have to know my Lord. I have to see, I have to see my Lord. I have to see, I have to see my Lord. If I die, what will be my reward? If I die, what will be my reward? Have to know, I have to know, my Lord. Have to know, I have to know, my Lord. Why should I die? Why should I die? Can you show me now that I will not be killed in vain? Show me just a little of your omnipresent brain. Show me there's a reason why you wanting me to die. You're far too keen on where and how, but not so hot on why. All right, I'll die. Just watch me die. See how I die. See how I die. So I am now of the opinion that I have something I can, like, stick as a cold open to the podcast. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not done if you want to keep me going. No, we'll, we'll stop there. <laughs> that's only that's only half the song. That's all right. I think I think me stopping you will also be part of the cold open. <laughs> for for all you motherfuckers listening, this is the cold <laughs> opening, and now we're gonna get into the podcast. Go. You are listening to TMB Dos. They must be destroyed on sight. The following podcast may contain adult language. Conversations surrounding adult situations that may not be suitable for younger listeners, as well as spoilers for the films discussed on this podcast. You have been warned. Now, come on in. They must be destroyed on sight! Okay, we're back. It's episode 101 of They Must Be Destroyed on Sight. I'm your host, Lee Russell, and I'm joined by my co-host, Paul Romali. How are you doing, sir? Hi. Doing good. Doing good. Awesome, awesome. Ready to kick ass and take names. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we're starting our little uh, series on H.B. Lovecraft-inspired films. But before we get into that, uh, we should just jump into uh, what we've purchased or watched in the last little while, and I'll throw over to you first, Paul. 
All right. I've been watching a lot of English comedies, as you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, black books, a lot of the young ones, a lot of things like that. Um, definitely check them out if you if you are intelligent, because if you're not intelligent, you don't like the British comedies because that's how that works. <laughs> anyway, uh, I did buy quite a few things. Now it's not all horror, but mm-hmm. I can sit. You know, I just you know, I got the uh, a nice uh, Godzilla collection, uh, which includes the original Godzilla, and it, it actually includes. The uncensored, like the uncut Japanese version and the American versions, which are oh, right actually on. quite different. And apparently, Terror of Mechagodzilla, I think it is, has lots of nudity. And I'm like totally oh. into that. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah and, so. and I mean, the original Japanese Godzilla has no Raymond Burr. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's got, it's got actual footage of nuclear war victims. From, right. You know, from the bomb. Which is, you know, a social issue, but you know, whatever you can do. And then I have a Toho collection that has the H Man of Battle in Outer Space and Mothra, because cool. why not? This is interesting. This is a Hammer Horror film collection that is not a traditional Hammer Horror film collection. This has Creatures That wor- the World Forgot, The Revenge of Frankenstein, Maniac, Never Take Candy from a Stranger, The Snorkel, and Die, Die, My Darling. Oh, really? Which, what the fuck is the snorkel? I've, no, I've never gotta, heard of that. It's got to be some underwater chaos. I, I, don't know, I don't know, but like, Die, Die, My Darling, I've heard that before. Actually, Die, 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 My, Dar- Die, Die, My Darling is a, a Misfits song inspired by this film. Right. So I got right, to right. check this out. I got but this isn't, isn't uh, Vincent Price in that film? I think he is, uh, if I can just look so, with my eyeballs. So, so, are you, yeah, so are you sure that's like a totally a hammer horror collection well when i look right now i think you might be thinking of scream and scream again because uh he is not in this one so there you go oh really okay okay there you go cool. one one film by uh what's uh h.e lewis i'd love to see is the the gorgo girls i've never seen that yet right right I'd, li- I'd like to see i know i know he paddles the girl's ass with a fucking meat tenderizer i gotta see that shit <laughs> uh, and uh this next one is 12 uh film Flesh Fest, Zombies Unbrained. So this has everything from Carnival of Souls all the way to White Zombie, of course, but it has Daniel's favorite film, Oasis of the Zombie, in it, so that's good. <laughs> Night of the Living Dead, Mutant, uh, King of the Zombies, House of the Living Dead. I mean, there's a couple things. Uh, the thing is, the Snake People is in this one, too. One of the things I like about this co- collection is the newest film on this is 1984, and the oldest is 1932. Yeah, that sounds like all public domain stuff. Yeah, yeah, so but that... it's I. That's the area that I like to watch. Yeah, I, I know, I know. Anything below 2000 is your wheelhouse. Yeah, yeah. anything below 1999 or 1990, <laughs> let's say, is my wheelhouse. That's where I I spent. Here's the funny thing: is you can't see this uh, viewers, which is one. But I will say, uh, the this is a big box of horror. It's ten films. But if you can see this, uh, Lee, I just want to show you the cover, mm-hmm. and I want to show you the back. Oh yeah, nice. And and yeah, and if you understand this, that means there's no there. There's a cover and there's a back, which are both covers. So there's no idea what films are on this. Yeah, that I'm I'm, I'm kind of uh, quizzical. <laughs> like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on and there? As so... soon as I saw this, it was three ninety nine. I said, I I will chance this for three ninety nine because yeah. I don't know what films are on it. Apparently, there is Daughters of Darkness. Okay. Uh, zombies versus strippers. That's always fun. Last man on earth, which is paid for the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, last man on earth paid for the three ninety nine. That paid. Well, for well, honestly, it depends on the print. Yeah, but at the same time, is if you want a quality film, you watch that. 
Yeah. And then uh, I Eat Your Skin. That's a good one. Yeah. Destined to be incest. Now that just sounds sexy. Like in the yeah. family sexy. It's either like, really it's either like, really sexy or really gross. One of yeah, a finger licking good sexy. Um <laughs> Dark Spirits, Empty Rooms, Evidence of a ha- of a Haunting, Nineteen Doors, and then Wes Craven presents Don't Look Down. Don't what the fuck? I've never heard of yeah, that. Neither have I. So three ninety nine gets you all this shit. Great. What the what the fuck did Wes Craven throw his name on? I don't know, but it's going to be bad. <laughs> now, this one is all four seasons of every horrifying episode of Tales from the Dark Side. Oh, nice, nice. Yes, and we all know uh, the little female creature that, uh, that Tom Salvini did in this in this one for the little right. little little daughter. So that's good. One of the most scary and horrifying films in the world is The Ghost and Mr. Chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Don fucking nuts. Well, well, Andy, I don't know. Oh, oh. Did you hear anything? I don't know. Okay, so I got that. That's that's a must. Uh, Son of King Kong and Son of Kong. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I had to get the little classic action, little monster movie action. I got another version of Gremlins, Joe Dante. Nice. You can't lose on that. Now, one of the most horrifying films ever since uh, color was invented, Young Frankenstein. Young Frankenstein, uh, yeah. incredibly scary horror movie. Yeah. Now I know that we're we're in a very turbulent time, and gender is definitely uh, a thing here. So I got this one, and this is very prevalent. Haunting honeymoon with Tom DeLuise. Tom DeLuise. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I got that one. Now, God damn that film. Probably the best film collection I think I've ever seen in my life was only $5, but I bought it because you know what? It's worth it. Seven killer films. How do you kill something that's already dead? Kung Fu Zombies. Okay. That's yes. one I'm not familiar with. The ultimate genre mashup. This, in, this includes Shaolin vs. Evil Dead, Shaolin vs. Evil Dead 2, Kung Fu Zombies, We Are Going to Eat You, Spirited <laughs> Killer 2, Spirited Killer 3, and Kung Fu from Beyond the Grave. How these, is that not worth $5? How is these that all, not, these yeah. all sound great. How is that not, not worth $550? Like, how is that not worth that? Like, <laughs> uh, so, all those collections, that is hours of lonely, non-sexed viewing for me. Yeah, I, yes. I, I feel your pain. <laughs> exactly. That'll be beautiful. There'll be no vagina in the room for hours and hours and hours and hours until I just die alone. It's going to be amazing. Yeah! All I can say is I, I want to make a toast to public domain movies because, Woo-hoo! you know, they, they keep our lives going. Yep. Without them, I would be nothing, which mm. I'm pretty much nothing anyway. Yeah, but, you know. I'll, I'll mention a couple recent purchases I did. I, I basically bought two uh, Sunny Chiba box sets. Oh, Sunny Chiba! Yeah, so I've I've got uh, first the Sunny Chiba collection, which is a six film uh, box set that has uh, Bullet Train, Galogo Thirteen, Karate Warriors, Dragon Princess, Sister Street Fighter, and The Bodyguard. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of misleading because two of these films are just like Sunny Chiba cameos or whatever. But mm-hmm. uh, still, all the films on it are pretty goddamn good. So I, I like that one. 
And I also uh, purchased the Sunny Chiba three-movie set Lethal Chiba, which has Killing Machine, The Executioner, and Karate Inferno, The Executioner Part 2, <laughs> which uh, is pretty good. I want to find the fucking Sunny Chiba Street Fighter series, but uh, most of the stuff is just on public domain and like not it's, really I, good. I, I, you actually used to be able to see some of that on YouTube, but it's shit. Yeah, yeah. So, like, there there are good versions of the Street Fighter series, which is the sort of key Sonny Chiba stuff you want to find, but it's all, like, Region 2 shit. Like, mm-hmm. you, you can't get it Region 1, so I have to get myself a regionless player at some point. And grab I it. was lucky enough to buy the Young Ones full seasons on Region 1. Very lucky. Nice. So I got that. I'm looking for some other stuff, but I'll tell you what, the BBC is rough on re-encoding. Yeah. They're 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 terrible with everything they do with their releases. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I'm a big Top Gear fan, and everything below season ten is all Region Two protected. You cannot buy anything off. Oh, they do it on Region Four for Australia because you know they're the they're the criminals, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. dirty criminal people. Other other than that, that's all they do. It's like God, God, region coding just kills. And the thing is, that's why Mill Street and stuff in these these public domain films are so key because Mm -hmm. they let you see a version in a genre that you wouldn't otherwise see. Because imagine if all British films were only British region, all of them, you would miss out on so much classic films. They're doing a really great job as of late. They like, are doing a great job. And it, it, imagine if, like, all the Spanish films, I would never have met Paul Nashe. Like, that is a beautiful film genre. I love it because it homages everything that we know from the Universal. Right. But if, if yeah. they were, like, a closed region, we'd never see any of that. Yeah. I'm kind of thinking, like, I'm still weighing the options, but I'm kind of thinking i got to just switch out my DVD player for a Blu-ray player so I can mm-hmm. not have to worry about regions at all. That's true. It's disgusting, but true. Yeah. At the same time, I'm I'm really dreading like putting one of these dis- like one of these DVDs in a fucking Blu-ray player and just it looking like total absolute fucking garbage. It just I have I, the shirt that I'm wearing right now is, is that like obviously you can't see it, but this is the Howling version. The howling, the, yeah. The Howling. This is the the Blu-ray cover of the Howling. Right. The the artwork is fucking outstandingly amazingly sick. However, you're buying a thirty dollar fucking Blu-ray. Yeah. For a film that's been out for thirty five years. Yep. And that's the thing is I have them on now the thing is I have no don't get me wrong. I have the howling on beta, on Laserdisc, on VHS, on DVD, I have the soundtrack. I will get right. the Blu-ray one day. But look how much money I spent on just the howling. <laughs> that's a lot of fucking money <laughs> yeah you know it's like another 35 bucks Jeez, okay it's not that much i guess i'll do it but like if you want to get motel like they're releasing all the greats motel hell is out now yeah they got, they got the the deadly spawns out now yeah, yeah the howling's out now and like you can just keep on adding to the list that's 20 bucks 30 bucks 50 bucks 20 bucks 30 bucks it's like Jesus Christ, for films that I already have. Will the Deadly Spawn look better on Blu-ray? Do you think... I doubt think it. it I, I don't either. I mean, it's just... No, that that was a movie that was done with film grain. You know, it was shot on celluloid. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think it probably looks its best on DVD. If, if you go higher, you're just going to see the flaws. Like, a lot of films, especially where their special effects are kind of dodgy, or where they 
put a print on a Blu-ray where you see more of the screen. Mm-hmm. You see, you you see the fucking you know the, just the shit, the faults of it. I like, will you, say this till the day I die: half the films that we've watched now, we've reviewed, we've talked about, look better on VHS. Yeah, I totally agree. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. They, they, DVDs, the HD fucking releases on on YouTube, they all look better on VHS. Not a Living yeah. Dead is a good example. They look better on VHS. Yeah, because uh, honestly, although some of these are, you know, they're shot widescreen or whatever, when you see them on, especially on Blu-ray, sometimes you see too much of the fucking screen, and then you see the edges of the effects. Like, you, you uh, I just did a podcast for uh, Asylum from 1972, which is an amicus anthology horror mm-hmm. film. If you look at some of the versions of that you can see hands of like people in the actual filming crew uh, moving <laughs> the special effects around like it's it's absolutely re- ridiculous mm-hmm. well so, actually I mean, if, you, if you get the if, this is a uh, i'll give you an example of a high class dvd release mm-hmm. they just hit their 35 year anniversary fright night fright night yeah if you watch fright night on vhs the bat flying down the hall and knocking the thing over looks great. Yeah. If you watch it on DVD, you'll see the string on the right. bat and you'll see the thing that pulls the goddamn face over. Like, yeah. it, you might not, not notice it because it's the first thing you've ever watched it and you're just kind of watching the film. But if you're someone like me, you're like, there's the string. There's the yeah. thing. <laughs> like, it's like, yeah, both, both you and me see this shit when, yeah, because we grew up watching VHSs of this stuff and then yeah. we see it on DVD and it's like, oh God, there's the string. There's the guy pulling that shit over. That, yeah. Man, totally you don't, agree. You, I mean, you do not see that at all in the VHS. You're just watching the film. You don't yeah. see it. Because I watch again and again and again. You don't see it on my VHS copy, but you see it on the DVD. There it is. So I'd love to like go back to back with Monster Squad and see what I missed. <laughs> like, because you know, I have now I have the new Monster Squad release. And I have a bootleg version. That, now they have the official Monster Squad. Okay, like, right. I get that. And I'll watch Monster Squad back to back VHS versus dvd and see all the fuck-ups yeah well i mean we did we, we did night of the creeps we're gonna do monster squad at some point so monster squad. you're the monster yeah. squad i will i will you can't see this but i will wear my wolfman has an art shirt for that <laughs> mm, great coffee mm. hey Chad, who's that strange, somber man on the cover of that book you're reading? Oh, that's H.P. Lovecraft. Oh, I've heard of him, but I never really got into his stuff. It's kind of strange and hard to read. I used to think that, too. But that all changed when I started listening to the H.P. Lovecraft Literary Podcast. What's that? The H.P. Lovecraft Literary Podcast is a weekly podcast. Tell me more. These two really smart and hilarious guys give a synopsis of the story, then they talk about its background, the critical views, and what it says about the author. Well, where can I listen? Let me tell you, Chris, you can go to hppodcraft.com or, heck, just subscribe through iTunes. It's that easy. Oh, Chad, I'm so excited. Now I can listen to this podcast and pretend to all my snooty friends that I actually read and understand H.P. Lovecraft. Hey, that's what I do. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) HPPodcraft.com Hello and welcome to Hello, This is the Doom Show. I am Richard. And I hate the burning. Shh, who are you? Speak. <laughs> and I'm Brad. She came in and said, bark, bark, bark. <laughs> And he said, bark, bark, bark. And she said, bark, bark, bark. That's what I got. 
One is the Suspiria boner. The other is the Inferno boner. <laughs> which, anyway. Which one is crying? <laughs> the boner of tears. <laughs> Hello, this is the Doomed Show. Is available on hellodoomedshow.podomatic.com and doomedmoviethon.com. Hello. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Ah, necrophilia. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, prudes. I know, really. Right? the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore i am in the most sincerest of senses disappointed in you it takes a powerful goddess like connie jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it i'm still tripping out over that even as a kid i was like i gotta find a girl like that every week i I get a new look of disappointment that i never thought i could get out of unimaginable at 12 years old you should not be watching this obviously at 13 you should not be 14 you shouldn't be i'm not entirely sure even 17 year olds should be watching this just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything Dude, that kept little history doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was. How did you watch movie. this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops.
All right, so we should get into it. We should start off here. Uh, we're going to be looking. It's going to at... be. A, it's going to be a train wreck. We should really not do this. So hey, okay, so let's do it anyway. Come no, I, I I totally knew this was going to be a train wreck because uh, I don't know, but you, well, I know you've been at work, so you're relatively sober to a certain <laughs> That's I, assuming a lot. Yeah, I, I've been drinking all day, so it, it is going to be a shit show. So. Uh, we're going to be looking at Necronomicon, Book of the Dead from 1993. Mm. Directed by Christopher Gans, Shusuke Kaneko, Brian Yuzna, and written by Britt V. Friedman, Christopher Gans, uh, Kazuroi Ito, H.P. Lovecraft, and Brian Yuzna. And this is a anthology film based, very loosely, I'll say, on the bastardized yeah Yeah. on the stories of hp lovecraft basically what this involves is a wraparound story of jeffrey combs and i'll I'll get into the uh cast list here jeffrey combs doesn't look like jeffrey combs at all no what did did they do (laughs) we'll get into this jeffrey combs is hp lovecraft uh tony aito as a librarian bruce payne is edward d lapore Richard Lynch as Jethro de Lepore, Maria Ford as Clara, David de Warner as de Lepore. That's de how you have to say it. It's okay. French, not Swedish. I don't know why they did that, but de Lepore. <laughs> no, but I, Bruce Payne says in the film, uh, the original pronunciation is uh, this, where we're Swedish or whatever, you know? Yeah, I know. Uh, it's like, it's not Swedish. Read Rats in the Walls, asshole. <laughs> uh, uh, spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll get to that too. Uh, David Warner is Doctor Madden. Bess Myers, Emily Osterman, Millie Perkins is Lena. Dennis Christopher is Dale Porkel. Sydney Coleman as Sarah. Oba Babatunde as Paul. Babatunde. Don Kalfka uh, of Return of the Living Dead fame, by the way. The uh, the. Uh, Maybe he's a Nazi, maybe he's not guy from that film. <laughs> and Judas hey, Drake. It's not a it's 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 a fucking way of life. All right, just calm yeah. yeah, so he's a Mr. Mr. Benedict and Judith Drake is Mrs. Benedict. Uh so so this is a anthology film. The wraparound involves Jeffrey Combs as H.P. Lovecraft going to this temple of this Masonic order Easy. to basically steal a Necronomicon. And basically he uh, lies to the uh, the librarian. He's like, oh, I want this book on chemical shit or whatever the fuck it is. But he steals he's doing, the librarian. Yeah, he's doing, he's doing extra, uh, extra research on chemical anatomy for this uh, thing he's doing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's like, I, I want to get some, uh, you know, facts for my stories and the librarian, the librarian is like we are the end of the impression that your stories were fiction and hp lovecraft says no all my stories are based in reality they're all they're all real uh yes. so he he steals the key and he spirits himself down into the basement of this monastery yeah, uh, yeah he actually he actually tricks the librarian to go up to this random bookshelf to find these uh, elemental books, like to find mm-hmm. all the, like that. And he's like, no, no, that one over there with the, this. And, and he's trying to like get the guy all confused and grabs the key. And then when he sits him down with the book, he didn't even want, then scuttles off down into the, the crypt that he knew was waiting for him. Yeah. So basically what he's trying to do is he's trying to get Necronomicon and learn from it. And the stories in this thing are based around, stories he sort of uh 
not necessarily even reads from the Necronomicon. It's almost like he gets like a psychic connection to the Necronomicon, and these things are just like sort of shot into his brain, I guess, kind of. Yeah, he, he starts reading these random quotes, and then this story comes every time. Yeah. First off, what did you think of Jeffrey Combs as H.P. Lovecraft? Because he, lo- uh, he looked he looked like Bruce Campbell became Jeffrey Combs. <laughs> and you know, I, I asked this because we've been planning to do these Lovecraft films for a while now and i know you've been just going crazy listening to lovecraft audiobooks mm-hmm. like just, just getting all these stories into your brain well, so what you're saying is i can't read and i agree with you well no i mean i wasn't gonna say <laughs> that necessarily <laughs> I'm just saying. No, but, I get it. but no i mean it's great but i mean every time i see you post about a lovecraft it's like here's the audiobook of whatever that i've been listening to so yeah. that's what it yeah. is yeah i've been listening to the shit out of those things first off i, I just want to ask your opinion what do you think of jeffrey combs as hp lovecraft i love it i love it like i love myself i love it like jeffrey combs loves myself <laughs> there you go yeah. yeah i can't talk about that legally but yeah i, I found that interesting cuz i mean if you look at the real life HP if you, Lovecraft, if you if you try to say okay HP Love like Jeffrey Combs is HP Lovecraft, he's horrible at it. <laughs> I don't think like well, horrible. Well, 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 here's That's the like, thing: it's like it's like a it's like a staunch lying businessman trying to make the next ledger in his books before he gets caught by his cops, like by his boss. Like, kind of, <laughs> like that's what the that's what the HP Lovecraft he portrays is, which is not exactly correct. But I do like the only thing that I can say that he plays an awkward person trying to research things pretty well. And, and I mm-hmm. think the awkwardness is the thing that portrays Lovecraft in the world that he surrounds himself by. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think he does an accurate job of portraying HP Lovecraft because HP Lovecraft is not a guy who would pull a sword out of his cane. No, no. And... He'd be like, ah, oh, mom, help me. Like, yeah. Mom, like help that. Yeah, exactly. But at the same time, and also of course, Jeffrey Combs is what? Five, seven, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, H.P. Lovecraft was a tall dude. But, he was at least 5'8". Yeah, but I kind of like that this film presents him as, as almost uh, kind of an occultist detective to a certain degree. Well, like, this, this film, this, the problem is, this film portrays him as an occultist detective Indiana Jones. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, he's not. Okay, well, I get it. Because he has to get out of this very bad situation that he put himself in. Mm-hmm. But so... It's suspended belief, like it's uh, that kind of reality that you have yeah. to, you know, you have to. Yeah, he, yeah. Here's the thing: like I'm a bit of a Lovecraft snob, but at the same yeah. time, but at I the make end, allowances. Like, but at the end of the film, not to give it away, they should have put that dun 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 dun. dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a little bit. Yeah, so basically what he does is he he steals the Necronomicon and he starts writing down these stories that he's basically taking from the Necronomicon and that basically fills out the three stories in the actual film. And the first one is The Drowned, starring Richard Lynch and Bruce Payne. Bruce Payne, by the way, who is in the third Warlock film. Mm -hmm. I would would like to say both of those actors are amazing. Yeah, uh, Richard Lynch and Bruce Payne are both excellent in this, and Richard Lynch especially is one I really, really enjoy and love. Richard Richard Lynch, uh, by the way, I hate to keep being a beater of dead news, but he was on the 1987 series called Werewolf by John J- <laughs> with John J. York and, and Chuck Connor. 
So yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah, no, Richard Lynch is awesome, and we're actually going to be covering films with him in it in the future as well, because uh, I have a hankering to do Death Sport at some point, yeah. which with yep. him in it. So that should be really fun. But yeah, um, this is an interesting story. It's, it's, it basically revolves around Bruce Payne's character. He he sort of comes from Sweden over to America to this estate that is bequest to him. The real estate agent wants him to sell it, basically, because it's... And the sleep lap- with him. Yeah, and sleep with him. Yeah. yeah. She, she <laughs> wants to sleep <laughs> I want to take your dick. <laughs> like, like I was like, I wish women could be that forward with me because I'd understand <laughs> what they're trying to do. Like, excuse me, but can I take your dick in one of my holes, please, today? Because I'd be like, okay. Because usually women are like, you know, nice hair. And I go, thanks. And I walk away. Oh, but yeah. I have no idea. She's, she's so blatant. I could even get it. Yeah, she's all over Bruce Payne here. Like, she, she, yeah. she wants some of that and she more She pains for that, Bruce. Yeah, she does. <laughs> <laughs> But Bruce will have nothing of it because he is a, a Look, broken I'm mourning motherfucker. Yeah, he's broken. He's mourning. He uh, ran his car off the side of the road with his girlfriend or and or wife. I can't remember what what it was. Yeah, he was um, playing. He was doing. He was playing like a Wii or something at the same time doing like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't know how he got distracted, but he went off the side of the fucking hill. And she drowned in the sea, and so he's been broken ever since then. <gasps> I'm so, so sorry. It's so he's so cold. Fault. So he totally he, he totally rejects the uh, real estate agent, you know, even though she's obviously outside of just basically opening dick, up her dick fucking... Dick, me, dick, me, dick. Yeah. <laughs> she, she was this close to basically just taking her shirt off and going... Yeah, she hired like five kids off the street to go, dick, me, dick, me, dick, <laughs> like behind her. Like, that's how hardcore... Like, yeah. did you write? Did you actually write this in the script? Like, women didn't say like that's really rude. Like, nothing like that. Like, yeah. okay, it's, it's the nineties. Shit can go yeah. down. Yeah, no, she's she's totally on this. But yeah, he basically learns of his ancestor who owned the place, who Delapore, Delapore, who was Richard Lynch, who in a basically an accident with the ship which ran aground, mm-hmm. he lost his wife and his child. Mm-hmm. And he consulted a Necronomicon mm-hmm. to. Um, yeah, I love, I love, I love the line. I do love the line. It's like almost like it's frozen, but it's different. But I love, it. I like it when he says, he says like, any god that would take the things I love away from me is no longer welcome in my house. And he yeah, takes and, the Bible and throws it in the fire. I was like, that is the coolest thing ever. It reminds, good, it, re- it does remind me of Dracula. This is an unsung great performance from Richard. Lewis. It is great. It's fucking fantastic. Yeah, he just like any 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 god that would take my love and my progeny away from me is not welcome in this house. And he, yeah. he basically he's mad. Him. He's mad. <laughs> all, all these all these uh, god fearing Christians basically run out in horror out of the house. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, again, I, I'm re- I'm reliving this uh, like 27 years ago because I don't watch films on this channel. Because <laughs> I just go by memory. Memories memories good enough. I remember there was tits at one point in time because she was in the shower and there's bruises. Yeah. We'll get to that later. We will. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and also Bruce Payne and Richard Lynch, they're kind of stand-ins for Rutger Hauer. Yeah, <laughs> like they're, they're the guys who look like Rutger Hauer but are not Rutger Hauer. However, I like them better in this. Film. I do. Same here. Yes. So Bruce Payne basically decides. Well, he he discovers a Necronomicon in the house, and he's like, "Well, maybe." No, I, li- I like uh, I like how they actually did that. It reminds me a little bit of the case of Charles Dexter Ward. He realizes like the portrait hides the the keys right. to what needs to happen. See, the thing is, there's nuances in all these films. 
yeah. that you, you pick out if you read Lovecraft. For instance, this one, the Delapore references the rats in the walls. Rats in the walls, yeah. The rats in the walls. And then you you kind of you get when you watch this, a beckoning spirit comes and gives him the Necronomicon, and that yep. is the Dagon and the Shadow of Rinsman. Yep. And then you you find like where where he finds the Necronomicon, the real uh, the person later that is trying to redo this. Then you get that Charles Dexter's Wards vibe. Yeah, which is a five and a fucking half hour fucking audio book, by the way. So buckle up. so there's and the thing is that's the nice thing is there's nuances between all these films and i know and you'll notice if you ever watch any and we'll get into this later in the series but the more you watch lovecraftian films you don't watch one story you watch six because they don't do one they always intermingle and do this yeah they always pull from different things yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and and this one definitely pulls from different things i mean if if you want to look at this film as a straight up remake of rats in the walls it totally fails because all it does mm-hmm. is pull names that that that's all it does is pull names it's basically like the remake of the wolfman yeah it pulls three fucking names and does something completely fucking different yeah yeah and i mean but as far as i'm concerned i mean you know spoilers here but fucking i think this is probably out of everything on this film, I think this is probably one of the closest as far as capturing Lovecraft's yeah. tone. The only thing is, though, against that, but adding to it, the vibe is there. The Lovecraftian vibe is so there. But there's this erotic sexiness that's in this film. Well, yeah, and that's not Lovecraft at all because he but was scared it, of women. But the way the erotic sexiness is portrayed and what twists the erotic sex- sexiness fits Lovecraft perfectly. It's very uncomfortable. It's an uncomfortable... It's like if you watch Puppet Master and the girl that is slug comes out and starts fucking putting slugs all over that guy's chest. Right, right, yeah. And you get really horny, but at the same time, you're like, oh, that's totally, like, sick. It's exactly like that. (laughs) And I think... And these guys, are that's still a full moon. So I think that's where they kind of got that kind of twisted nastiness from. Right, right. So, yeah, basically, this one sort of goes on the lines of Bruce Payne basically makes the same mistakes of his ancestor and basically tries to resurrect his wife. And the same thing happens to him that happened to his ancestor. And I will say one thing before we go on, because I just remembered this. Sorry to interrupt you, Lee. Oh, sorry. The, the fate, the fa- and I love this because I, er, it's so cool. The fate of the ancestor comes from the original story of Dagon. He casts himself out of the window. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Oh, I love this. This is the best show ever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, I mean... I'm geeking out. I'm geeking out. Watching this one and, you know, finishing the entire movie and going back to this one, I kind of feel like this is the one that could have been its own movie. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, do this. The end. Yeah, like, I, I think there's, like, a really good H.P. Lovecraft slash ghost story almost kind of thing that you could have done that you could have expanded into, like, a 90-minute movie of some sort. If they would have ta- if they would have taken the Rats on the Wall vibe a little mm-hmm. bit farther and then taken that and then you had to actually search for the problem. Because the thing is, if you, will, if, you will, if you listen to a lot of H.P. Lovecraft, the problem doesn't just appear. The problem in this story just appears. Yeah, the problem in other H.P. Lovecraft stories, you have to search for a little bit, and then it appears, and you wish you never actually looked for it. 
yeah, the the problem in most HP Lovecraft stories is already occurring and it's underneath and you run into it and and it's it's something you never wanted to fucking run into. Yeah, that's when you need fucking Nick Nolte and they're going, ah, Jesus ah, Christ, God, God damn it. God damn it. HP Lovecraft. God damn Cthulhu. Shagas. Christ. <laughs> you didn't think but, you're gonna get a Nick Nolte vibe out of this one, but you got it. Boom, done. Yeah, yeah. But, End of story. Uh, I really like this segment. Um, I think the special effects in this are the best of the entire film. Like, fantastic. I, I this this film is still on the cusp of you know films still doing practical effects. Like, this is basically the real end of mass practical effects in films. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. They do a great job here. Like the stuff looks fucking great. The the limited CGI in this also oh, looks really good. It's really good, yeah. I like the fuck that they, they they take I like the fuck almost said fuck. I like the fact that they take that the other ones, that other mm-hmm. world, and try to like confuse and blend it into what you want to see. Because when they when the girl comes back and says, "Don't push me away," oh, yeah. that that moment is always stuck in my head. It's like so creepy and sexy, and then you can see how he, the other world is playing with your desires to draw you in. I, I think I think the only, honestly, the only downfall for me with this one is that the protagonist actually survives. And the only thing is, it's so great and so bad at the same time. It's so like, oh, you got your happy ending. Now what? But at the same time is, you now, I like the the best part of H.P. Lovecraft is when the protagonist survives. Do you know what happens to him? They put him in a rubber room forever. Yeah. And there's there's no real hint <laughs> of that in this one. That's, that's no, the thing. No, no. It's, like, it's like, oh, it's a new day. My life is real. I, I can get over this and I can start fresh and fuck that bitch from the goddamn realtor like place. Like, you yeah, get yeah. that vibe. You're like... Oh, I gotta get a shower. I gotta get a good sake in me, and I'm gonna put my dick right to that fucking realtor. Okay, there you go. Yeah, because the vibe you get out of this. If if this was a real Lovecraft story, he would be in an insane asylum, writing this down, and and screaming about basically well, like, they're, they're coming would, for me. Um, you would have you have to take realism, and then you have to put it into the twisted. So what would happen was he fought the monster, he killed the monster. And then he set fire to the house by accident to, to help destroy the monster. Yeah. While he drove, while he climbed out of the tower, he would accidentally cut his wrist on the glass. And then when they found him, they would figure he burnt the house down on purpose, cut his wrist to kill himself. So they killed him and put him in an insane asylum. And then yeah. he'd scream and write shit on the walls the rest of his life, <laughs> trying to say he's okay, but he's not. And that's, that's the twisted end to an H.B. Lovecraft film. See, I like already, already that we're writing the better version of this movie. <laughs> I am a, a fucking genius. And I am untapped. I'm an untapped genius. Yeah. So uh, we'll move on to the second story now, which is The Cold, which, which is based is on... It's actually one of my favorite films, even though it's one of the simplest. Yeah, and it's based on Cool Air. His story cool, cool Air, Air, baby. There is a full-length version out there on DVD called Cool Air, don't watch it. It kind of sucks, but you can watch it if you want to. This this one's been redone several times. Like it, it's, I think it's been on uh, Night Gallery, Rod Serling's Night Gallery. I think. Yeah, that was cooler. a good one though. That was pretty creepy. There, it, it was simple, but it was creepy because I always found Night Gallery to be like a very, very truncated version of anything. Yeah. Night and Gallery I mean, always had a truncated, truncated version. Even like if you put the simplest story on Night Gallery, they truncated it anyway. Like, really? 
Okay, fine. Yeah. It's but cool. this, is, this is basically a rewrite of Cool Air, um, but it retains the central premise pretty well, I think. I actually mm-hmm. like the fact that right now we're doing it on like close to his birthday, David Warren. He got a David birthday. Warner, yeah. And he was fantastic in this fucking episode. Like, if he wasn't in this, I don't think I'd like it nearly as much. Yeah, uh, so this is based around an uh, investigative journalist. He, he comes into this house and questions the woman living there about the history of the host and how it seems to be connected to several people disappearing. He also comes in like a know-nothing prick. It yeah. says, says, if you don't talk to me, I'm calling the cops. Yeah, no, he's, he's an asshole. He's a total he's an asshole. asshole. He's basically like Lee. Yeah, but, you know, less sympathy even. If maybe. you hear anything right now, I'm staying on my porch enjoying the night. There's a fucking storm. I'm sorry. No, I, your, your well, sound quality has actually been probably the best ever for this podcast. <laughs> yeah. So basically, she tells him the story. She gives him coffee and tells him the story of a Dr. Madden who uh, has this strange disease and how her quote unquote mother met him Lena. and roomed in the house. Yeah, and even tough acting to acting couldn't take care of that disease. Yeah, Jesus Christ. So basically it's a disease that he said David Warner's character Dr. Madden says it's a skin condition where he ha- he has to keep himself incredibly cold all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh but what we quickly learn is that he has to have the spinal fluid of people to keep him going. And it's much more a uh, cryobiosis, I think, is the term kind of mm-hmm. thing, where he's trying to keep himself preserved. It's not long, completely long freezing, but it's keeping it's cold and it's keeping it survive. Yeah. So, like, there's really good mad scientist kind of stuff in this. Like, I, I kind of relate to this the same way I do, like, the Hammer Frankenstein films, where they got really bloody and gross. And this film is fucked. This part of the segment is fucking gross. Like, uh, Dave, David Warner at times is leaking this weird pussy well, brown. I, I was gonna, oh, it's, it's almost like formaldehyde. Yeah, yeah. He, he's leaking this fluid. And... It makes me very horny. <laughs> and, I mean, he's fantastic in this. Like, David Warner he is... is fantastic. It, he's always been fantastic. <laughs> That's the no, thing about always... David Warner. He, he always is, but I... I honestly, I think this is one of his best just short roles in an anthology ever. Short roles, yes. Long roles, no. Because my friend is a vampire will always be my favorite. It's <laughs> fantastic in that film. That's a so, good... He is so straight in that film that it makes it fucking funny. Yeah, but in, in this one, he's really cold and pathetic and sad. But and, and desperate the, as actually, well. The funny thing is, though, he understands the weakness of the girl around him, and he plays that vulnerable, like I'm vulnerable too. Yeah. By the way, I'm totally fucking you tonight. Like yeah. he's got that vibe, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I wish I could be as cold and cynical as you are, but I'm too stupid. Oh. Uh-huh. He he says he can't, you know, he can't experience love or whatever, and he has that uh, he has that woman living with him who was the first girl to you know take up with him and support him, and she's totally in love with him, and mm-hmm. she's been with him for like like what twenty thirty years probably, right? And but then he falls for this this new girl, mm-hmm. and just has sex with her and transmits whatever fucking disease he has, aka fucking semen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Too. Okay. Uh, how do I say this? His death in the film is fucking very blatant, very loud, very in your face. However, it does simply still does not 
describe the audacity and, and horribleness of the death and in, in the story. The thing is, in the story, you walk into seeing this guy struggling around, doing this, doing this, doing this, and doing this. Walk into a room going, oh, fucking God. Like, whoa, that is like, man. Yeah. You know, and in the story and in the, in the film, I want to say this. They do the same thing I hate. They both do the same thing I hate. But in the film, the death is very in your face. It's very, holy fuck, is this happening right now? Yeah. Like, and I like that. I like the fact that because it's a short story, you need to get all the gore immediately. Some mm-hmm. people don't like that. People like that poetic, literally. Like, we don't have time for that. It's a short story. If you don't do it blatantly, it won't happen at all. Yeah. You know what I mean? So David Warren goes out with a fucking bang. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. Like, wow. Yeah, that, that motherfucker melts. Like, that's... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, he just starts tearing his shit to pieces. Yeah, man. I mean, he, he, he helps it along even, which is kind of weird, like, where yeah. he's like... That's the thing is, like, that's the thing is, like, he makes himself kill himself. Like, like he just... Wow, okay. The guy who's basically tried to make sure every single bit of him lives forever in five seconds just demolishes himself. <laughs> That's fucked up. Yeah, yeah. I like the special effects on this one. And actually, I like how they rewrote the story and changed it at the end. Like, I do like how they sort of did it. The angle on this is very well, well done. It's creepy. Yeah, it is. Fuck. My that, baby needs it. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, creepy, man. It's creepy. Like, that's disturbing shit. Like, it really now, is. If I met a girl that was like that and she wanted to, like, really kinky sex all the time, I would help her kill people for her baby. Yeah, sure, that's no problem. But I'm yeah. just saying, it's still creepy. If you look at this from, like, a Lovecraft purist stance. It is totally not right. Like, yeah, I mean, they're, totally they're not right. Like, Lovecraft didn't jump into gore. And also, again, no romance in Lovecraft. Well, no, no. You would not have a girl involved at all. Yeah. Because... Girls are fucking icky and they have cooties. And the only girls in his life is they see supples off the tits of his aunt and mom. And that's yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I wonder if he ever suppled off their tits while he wrote at the same time. Like a little hug a jug. That'd be kind of sexy. I, I don't I, know I, what he I don't know what he did. I don't know his process. But but the thing is, like in in this film, and the, the reason why this film kind of builds up, and I like this. I they, they do take twists and I like them, even though I'm a purist. I go, okay, I get that. What happens was when you start seeing Nancy for the first time, she's she's taking a shower, which means I get my peripheral tit shot, which is good. Yeah, like this this one definitely uh, jumps what right ha- on. Yeah, what happens was you get. Oh, I'm sorry, Lee. I'm sorry. I was just gonna say this one definitely jumps. I was like, we need some tits in this film. Yeah. So, oh, thank God, that. there's nipples, and <laughs> I was happy because I was a boy. And I'm still a boy, and I'm still happy. And what happens is you get to see these bruises on her legs and stuff, and you're like, I, I, I'm going to ignore the bruises. I'm going to focus on the tits. Yeah. And, and what happens, and then the next, the guy in her old life comes in, and you can see. And it, the weird, the weirdest fucking thing in the whole film is when you realize that's her stepdad. That's stepdad. Yeah. Oh, like uh, okay. Uh, like I, I, I wanted like getting like drunken boyfriend, and you went right to stepdad. You yeah, had that... to, You stepped over that mark. <laughs> it turns it up to a new weir- level of weird. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I didn't expect that. Because when you look at him, he doesn't look that old. So you're like, okay, this is the ex-boyfriend who's abused her. 
No, that's the stepdad. That's the fucking stepdad. Okay, I got it. Like, go okay. <laughs> yep, exactly. So, and then you you take that ride through the whole thing after that. Honestly, I think this is really well done. Like, I think this is probably if if you're gonna adapt Cool Air and and you're gonna change it, I think this is probably one of the best examples of how to do it. Like, I. I it's very creepy as fuck. It, it works very well. The twist ending is good. Uh, I had no complaints with it. Like I, yeah, I really, you, you really have like... to you have to take her, Mrs. Fernando, with the little Roman, all the chemicals. You have to take that. You have to leave that, and you have to <laughs> pick up this new thing. And that's what happens. And uh, it's pretty good. I like it. I like it quite a bit. Yeah. Okay, so we'll, we'll move on now to the last segment in this uh, before we get back to the wraparound story. This is whispers. And uh, actually, I'm just going to throw over to you, Paul, because I'm kind of interested in your opinion of this one, because in my opinion, this is probably the least Lovecraft of all the segments in this film. And I want to know what you Well, I was going to say it. something like, it's kind of shit. <laughs> <I was like, laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, let's just try to make a gory, weird ass thing that seems kind of Lovecrafty, but it absolutely has nothing to do with anything. The only thing that I can ever come up with when I watch this, and I've watched this three times now, the only thing I can come up with is from beyond describing those floaty, flabby things that flap right. and flound about. Yeah, I mean, this one just feels... Okay, so basically it revolves around a two police officers. Uh, they were in a relationship. An they... interracial, disgusting relationship. Interracial, yeah. Interracial. And one's and, named Paul. God damn it. Disgusting. <laughs> and they, they've, they've broken up, but they're partners, and they're tracking this killer called the Butcher, and they get a lead on him, and they run off the fucking road. Mm-hmm. And so, basically, the female... This, this 76 Nova comes out of nowhere and just runs them off the road. So the female finds herself in a warehouse, and she's basically runs into the two inhabitants of the warehouse, uh, including... Oh, oh, oh. Don Kafka, who, you know, again... Oh, I'm sorry, but Don Kafka is the star of the whole show. He is. He's great. Uh, Return of the Living Dead. Uh, if, you, if you don't know him from Return of the Living Dead, then you're a sad motherfucker and you need to start watching movies. I just mm-hmm. want to put that out there. But, goddamn, this... She she basically, you know, she's... Show me the butcher, show me where he is, and shit like that. She's basically... She's basically Barbara from the fucking goddamn remake. All fucking dykey and feminist and loud and bullshitty. She's absolutely like aggressive and crazy. Like she's show me where he is, and she's always pointing a gun at him. And then her his wife shows up, and he, she's pointing a gun at her. So they're going through the warehouse, and they go deep, deep down to this Aztec temple, really, because there's like Aztec uh, hieroglyphics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Basically, there's these creatures down there that have been feeding off people for centuries, and they need the brain matter of people to reproduce, apparently. <laughs> So this is a really badly adapted, loose remake of Whisper in the Darkness. Yeah, it's very, very bad. Because the thing is, when you actually see, read Whisper in the Darkness, you see a very bad, bad, it's bad. And I'm really disappointed in this one because Brian Usna, he, he is deeply like entrenched in doing Lovecraft stuff for Hollywood. Like, I mean, also, although he... Obviously, I think mostly he's financed Stuart Gordon, who who did the really good stuff, <laughs> and and Brian Usna did uh, Reanimator, uh, Bride of Reanimator, and Reanimator. Oh, I, I want to say like the Bride of Reanimator has amazing tits. 
it, <laughs> this this one is just like a gore fest. It has no real story as far as I'm concerned. It just kind of fucking falls apart, and it doesn't feel like Lovecraft. Yeah, I'm so un- upset with this film. I'm basically the whole review I'm doing this. Yeah, that's my job now. <laughs> but this was bad like there, there was good actors in it they did their best but i mean this story was just to do a gore fest and i don't even think the effects were as good as the previous two installments no, like those... I, no actually like i will say paul completely fucking de-brained and gutted was pretty fucking cool that that looked good but those bat creatures come on those, those did not look good it's me <laughs> they put my brain yeah like it, it's such a loose adaptation of from the wall. and what what's another one that says stay away from the wall that's another one and it, that's not even lovecraft it's something else it's like an H-E, it's a geiger shit it's like something with the walls are alive stay away from the walls it's yeah. something else. It's it's not Lovecraft though. It's not Lovecraft, but they got that from something else. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, but, uh, okay, that's fine. I kind of feel like this one almost is like in danger of sabotaging the rest of the film. Like it, it is. I mean, it is. It, it basically ruins the whole fucking thing. It, it like it's that bad. Like it's so unLovecraft compared to the previous two that it's it just doesn't feel like it belongs here. Yeah, I, I got nothing else to say, but it's like, it's just, it was just kind of unpleasant. And... Oh, it's it's sure. No. <laughs> but yeah, um, I mean, I, I guess we could just like go for our overall opinions of this. Well, what do you think of Necronomicon overall? Honestly, I think Never got Necronomicon, I don't expect people to watch it twice. It's a one-time watch. Mm-hmm. And they go and they move on from there. They do, they they do. But the, the problem is after that, guys, Necronomicon films done right are very far and few between. Like they're they're just unnameable. Does okay, but they still fuck it up. Like it's yeah. Love. There's very 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 very, very few Lovecraft films that actually do it correctly. And uh, don't expect any new ones because they all suck. They're all gonna suck. <laughs> It's a very unfruitful journey. Let me just say that. After we get past the last story, we get to the wraparound story again. Where the, the creatures, the aliens, are protecting the Necronomicon. And then you have uh, Jeffrey Combs as H.P. Lovecraft doing his almost occultist action hero thing, which is... That's not H.P. Doom Raider! At the same time as Jeffrey Combs, and I kind of like his performance, so I can kind of. Why did they let make him look like Bruce Campbell? That's the, that's the thing. It's like, what can you do? Like that chin. Uh, oh, but I mean, Lovecraft had that fucking chin. So. He did have that chin. <laughs> so, okay? so really, the real question is, why does Bruce Campbell look like H.P. Lovecraft? That's mm-hmm. that's the real question. Well, what is Bruce Campbell hiding? Yeah, they did. Yeah. They did. They uh, okay. I'm sorry, but let's go back to Reanimator. Re- they didn't make him a blue-eyed, blonde-haired Aryan. <laughs> so why are you making H.P. Lovecraft look like Jeffrey Combs all of a sudden? Like, or, or vice versa. Why are you making Jeffrey Combs look like H.P. Lovecraft? You didn't make him look like right in the fucking goddamn story for, yep. H, for a reanimator. So why are you making him look right for this? Just make him look like goddamn Jeffrey Combs so we can all be like, it's Jeffrey Combs. I'm going to jerk off right now. 
Yeah, here's the thing. I think Jeffrey Combs is a good enough actor that he didn't need the prosthetics. He could have pulled off H.P. Lovecraft either way. It, no, I, honestly, he did. Because it, it, it's not about his look. It's about his mannerisms and his speech. Right, right. That's and, the whole point. And, I mean, he's been doing Lovecraft stuff for so long now. It's like it's old hat for him. Mm-hmm. And but it's, I, very, it's very weird when, when you watch, like, Castle Freak or Lurking Fear – and he's in a uh, a subordinate, right. like he's a victim role. Like that's a weird place to, to find Jeffrey Combs now. Like he's in a subordinate victim role. Yeah, because like, I mean, wow, you, you associate him with Reanimator and From Beyond, exactly. Yeah, which are two films we're going to be doing in this series, by the way. So no, we're not. Yes, we are. Fuck you. No, we're not. Fuck you. <laughs> 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 Lee and, but, Lee and I, Lee and I are like barely old married people. Pretty much, we we every love and we, we, we love both love and hate each other. And every year we have sex. Yeah, I'll just give my overall opinion of this. I think it's not bad, but it's not very like if if I was to rate this as far as like how Lovecraftian it is, I think it kind of falls flat in certain. Put degrees. it. What's on your Lovecraftian scale out of one to ten? Probably Give about a, a three. Probably, prob, no, no, probably about a six. A six on the Lovecraftian scale. Yeah, on the Lovecraftian scale. Because the first two stories are really good. And the the last one just kind of sabotages most of the movie, I think. Mm-hmm. Right, right. It's pretty goddamn good for what it is. It's a decent mm. anthology film. And uh, I think the biggest problem is that a lot of people haven't seen it. Like, it, it's right. a very forgotten film from the 90s. Right, right. On my Lovecraftian scale. Yeah, get used yeah. to that, because I'm going to do that a lot. And Lee and the Lovecraftian scale. Yeah. I'm going to say, I, I agree with the six on that. I, I totally agree with the six on that, because it doesn't fully meet those marks. It loses, like, every story loses one mark, and the last story just completely caves it in. So yeah. on a Lovecraft, Lovecraftian scale, I'm going to say about a six. Overall viewing scale, I think it's about an eight. I think you should like eight out of ten overall. I think you should you should definitely watch this. I think it's enjoyable. Yeah, it, it's kind of like a curiosity from the nineties that a lot of people haven't seen, and it's probably worth picking up just for that. Absolutely, I, I think it, give it one good watch with an open wine mind. Yeah, a bottle what? of wine, a bottle of wine, a good open mind, and there you go. <laughs> there you, and there you go. Patty McGinty and his fermentation. Get a go a bottle of wine. Give it one good go, and you'll like it. Yeah, budget for this was four million, but this was a direct to video release. Like there were some <laughs> film festival releases, but the direct to video release came two years later. It was nineteen ninety six before this was released, and uh, the score was done by Joseph uh, Loduca, who did all the Evil Dead. Oh, and stuff. This, the, I would like to say that the music is great. Yeah, and it's the, the weirdest thing is that. That's a really hard score to track down. I tried to track it down and get some songs from it. And the only way I could get it is if I signed up to this fucking crazy Russian illegal fucking music stealing service where I had to actually yes, good, yes, yes, good, yes, good, yes, good, yes, good, yes, good. Yeah, I actually had to add money to it before I could get the uh, give me all your money stuff. So, fuck that. Uh, what we're going to go out with is actually a uh, song from a composer called Daniel, I think, Litch, who put a little bit of his music in this. And the song that we're going to go out with is one that is actually featured on the Dexter TV series. It, he, he repurposed He's it for Dexter. He's a serial killer 
that's a cop or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, should, should I talk about anything else right now? I don't know. Uh, like, if you have anything else to add, uh, other well, than well, I'd like to add some things that are irrelevant to Necronomicon, but irrelevant to H.P. Lovecraft. If that's yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, thank you. <laughs> if you get on uh, YouTube, there's a couple of things that you should really check out if you like H.P. Lovecraft. One thing is there's a, uh, a animated series. It's very loosely picture animated, and it's basically uh, the Mountain of Madness. Oh yeah, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, and it's very fun. You should definitely check it out. Now there is a uh, a short film called The Call of Cthulhu. Which mm-hmm. does not give Call of the Cthulhu the original story any credit. Just watch it; it's fun. It's it's a kind of slow motion, silent kind of feature. It's pretty entertaining. However, the way to really get into it, and I I'm not a big reader. I don't like reading. I can do it. Believe me, I can read at least you know, like words. But <laughs> the thing is, like, I'm not a big reader. The way to get into Lovecraft is to find the perfect voice. And the perfect story. Mm-hmm. And on the HP uh, Lovecraft, they have this free audio, free something. It's called the free audio download books or something like that. And they sometimes they get the guys that do the HP Lovecraft so fucking well. A very monotone, cold voice. Yeah, That's no, the thing. The... You don't want an over like exuberant voice to do HP Love. You want a cold, monotone. This is the story, and I'm going to tell it to you now. It's no, so you, it works so well. No, you're right. There's there's actually a lot of really great audiobook versions of HP Lovecraft stuff on YouTube, freely available. And it it all sounds pretty goddamn good. And actually that's an easy way to get into Lovecraft because I'm I'm totally on board with you here, although I'm probably a bit of a more of a reader than you are. HP Lovecraft stuff is a little hard to get into because of just how antiquated his language is. Yeah, as, as yeah. I mean, I, I read. I read a lot of H.P. Lovecraft. I have those, and I have the um, Robert Block stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, I have the Witches Hollow and things like that. Horror from the Middle Span. I have those on books. And there, the thing is, you have to understand a lot of this stuff that is like H.P. Lovecraft and someone else. It's like two percent H.P. Lovecraft, ninety-eight percent someone else. Mm-hmm. But, but there's a lot of great stories. Horror from the Middle Span, Witches Hollow, um, things like that are very interesting to read. Um, it, it it's nice though that you can span beyond the breadth of H.P. Lovecraft. H.P. Lovecraft has has touched so many people's lives, and he actually had like he's a bitter bastard, like Lee and I. Mm-hmm. Bitter, but yeah, he's actually he... had friends. He had friends from other countries and other fucking counties and states, and he kept in courts with them and he used to send stories back and they used to send stories he'd autocorrect them or whatever you know like like go through them and make his own changes and they got published so that means there's a breath of fucking HP love definitely check it out and and, and yeah. right now YouTube is the best bet his influence is on other people is what kept kept him alive Robert Block and Ashton Smith uh, both of those guys went a long ways to keeping his stories in the public consciousness for years where he was just totally forgotten and unpopular. The audiobooks, I mean, the you weird, can weird, find... Weird, weird tales? 
Weird Tales, yeah. I mean, you you could find his stuff, all of his stuff. Like, all of his stories are in audio versions on YouTube. You just have to look for I'm them. I'm actually thinking about making some myself. That's weird that you say that. I was actually considering, like, I've been considering doing audiobook versions of stuff myself on my there channel. There was a, a beautiful audio version of The Terrible Old Man. Mm. And sadly, it's not on YouTube anymore. It got deleted or something like that. So I'm thinking about starting there and doing The Terrible Old Man because The Terrible Old Man is one of the best stories out there. It's so short, but it's so amazing. And he's he's totally a werewolf. Yeah, and this stuff should be done because, I mean, most of Lovecraft's stuff is public domain. Like, I actually think all of his stuff is fucking public domain. So, I mean, people should be doing this and Mm -hmm. keeping it alive. By the way, this film is very hard to find. DVD info, I think the only DVD releases for this were in Germany and France, and the Blu-ray was in France. So uh, go to and fucking... And you know, n- neither of those will have audio of English. No, so go to fucking YouTube, and there there is an HD version on YouTube, and then there's several other really good versions of this on YouTube right now, which is the, your best bet to grab this. The first story has so much turmoil and pain and misery. Mm-hmm. And and hope, and the thing is, that's where the dark side gets you, is when you hope. The hope yeah. and the prayers and the positivity of your soul, and they touch that, they touch it, and they make what you want to see. And then the next thing you know, your wife and your kid are vomiting entrails, and <laughs> tentacles are coming out of their faces. That was almost Lucio Fulci esque. It is so brutally disgusting and vom- <laughs> like, oh, it's City of the Living Dead meets fucking Lovecraft. It is yeah. great. I mean, that yeah. is so brutal, and that's why you say like the first film could have made a film of its own if yeah. you really delved into like if he had to like if he had to follow them somewhere, he would have followed them in the end's mouth. He would have learned things like he would have mm-hmm. like he would have became one of them in the end. He would have either shot himself, like in the story, or became one of them. You know, it's like, yeah. You could have went so many directions with that. I think even that first story, if you just fleshed out the entire story of his ancestor and then had his story as well, you could totally fit that in the feature length. And I mean, it works as a Lovecraft story, and look, it works as a sort of a ghost story as well to a certain degree. Honestly, I, I wish they would do it, but I I, I think you and I are kind of agreement here that this is a really interesting anthology it's flawed by the end because it kind of falls apart with that last story but the first two stories in the wraparound i think are really really good oh, they're great they're great yeah yeah and i think it's definitely worth checking out absolutely yeah so uh paul tell people where they can find you on the interwebs pa brew news anything from twitter to youtube to facebook or all that fucking shit and uh Paul uh, P. Romali, uh Facebook for uh, paintings. I haven't done paintings in a while. I haven't been in the mood. But if you ever want to do a pa- want me to do a specific painting, just get a hold of me. I'll do one. It's very cheap. Blah blah blah. All that shit. The end. Yeah, Paul does really good, great work. So if you're interested in a painting, uh, contact him and he'll uh, do a contract painting for you. I so am just... cheap as fuck, especially if you want sex. Yeah, he's cheap as fuck for all kinds of things. He's. Mm-hmm. Open for all sorts of things. Uh, you can and find all us genders. At, all genders. No all discrimination. Things. No discrimination. 
Yeah. Uh, you can find us at tmbdos.podbean.com where you can find our YouTube, iTunes, and Facebook links. Join us on Facebook, on our Facebook group, and contact us and talk to us because that's the best place to get in touch with us. And I don't know what we're going to be doing. I think Paul and I will discuss this off air. We are going to do Resurrected next. Resurrected next? Next? Okay. Yeah. Resurrected From it 1993 is. with Chris Sarandon. <laughs> From Chris Sarandon. I'm taking right. over this show! <laughs> so the, you, you heard it. Resurrected next. So um, thank you everyone for listening. And we'll be back when we're back. Goodbye. Bye-bye. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sing some songs right now. Cool. All right, here we go. Where you, you cut me off? I haven't cut you off yet. Go. I only want to say I was inspired. Now I'm sad and tired. After all, I've tried for three years. Seems like ninety. Why then am I scared to finish what I started? What you started? I didn't start it. God. My will is hard, but you hold every card. I will drink your cup of poison, nail me to your cross and break me. Bleed me, beat me, kill me, take me now, before I change my mind now. Before I change my mind. I have no idea that what that was. Maybe someone will inform me uh, in comments. Until then, <laughs> thank you everyone for listening. Goodbye! Bye-bye!
Thank you for listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Sight. For past episodes and links to our iTunes, YouTube, and Facebook group, please visit us at tmbdos.podbean.com. There you can also find links to other podcasts and websites of similar interest. If you subscribe to us on iTunes, please consider giving us a five-star rating and a review. Please join our Facebook group as it's the single best place to get in contact with the hosts and to know what's coming up on the podcast. Thank you. Drive through. <laughs>